the son of a rich and powerful Maharaja alone in a strange and foreign country, will present many problems of security. But the Maharaja is an intelligent man and must needs be resourceful. He is much traveled and not unaccustomed to such a state of affairs. It is not unlikely then that the services be obtained of a bodyguard from this foreign country in order that the small boy may come to no harm. It would seem that this advertised organization enjoys a splendid reputation and should easily provide what is required. Grovener 5995 is the telephone number and the address 33 Half Moon Street. Bobby Mason at your service. At Assignments Unlimited, we do anything, anywhere, at any time. 33 Half Moon Street. The man was small and wiry. He sat opposite me, his delicate hands folded in his lap, the flash of his teeth accentuated by his walnut face. It was a face devoid of any particular character, yet he cut an imposing figure with his silk-turbaned head and flowing eastern doublet. I couldn't remember having met a Pakistani civil servant before, and yet Mr. Ranji Singh exuded an air of official civility and would never have got to first base on the What's My Line show. After the preliminary courtesies, he confirmed my guess at his occupation. I am side in the service of the Maharaja of Wanpur. It is a small province of my country, Pakistan. Oh, I've heard of the Maharaja, of course. His picture was in this morning's paper. And then you will know, Saib, that he is here in an official capacity during the meeting of the Commonwealth Prime Minister. Now, I think I read that he's a, a financial expert, if I'm not mistaken. And that is the Maharaja's position, Saib. He is the private advisor to the Prime Minister in matters of money. I might add that the Maharaja is exceedingly wealthy. And what is it you would like us at Assignments Unlimited to do for you, Mr. Singh? In a way, it is a matter of state and therefore highly confidential. You may rely upon our discretion, Mr. Singh. The Maharaja has a small son, aged four years. It is an only son. As you probably know, in my country, the lineage of a title is passed on only through the male members of the family. The heir to the court of Wanpur is this small boy. In the event of his demise, the title on the Maharaja's death would pass to another male member of the family. It is for this reason that the only son is jealously guarded. For security reasons, his movements are kept secret, and yet it is commonly known that he accompanies his father wherever he goes. Do I make myself clear, sir? Indeed you do. But isn't the lad provided with a bodyguard? Sometimes, yes. But if a large bodyguard was brought to your so well-disciplined country, the motive might be misconstrued. I take it, then, that you're looking for a bodyguard from here? Yes, sir. And also a female nurse to care for him. You mean he's come to England without his nanny? Although it is known that the boy is in England, his whereabouts are a secret. The Maharaja has rented a large house in Sloan Street through an agent. One of my countrywomen attired in the sari would be most conspicuous. It is for this reason that we require the services of an English nurse. Well, if you'll forgive me, Mr. Singh, the lad living in Sloan Street would need to be exercised in the park. An English nanny with a Pakistani lad would be even more conspicuous. The Maharaja is here for but a week. During that time, the boy would not leave the house. A week's confinement will do him no harm, sir. The house is fully equipped... And only day-to-day -day supplies need be purchased in Knightsbridge. Oh, it seems the Maharaja doesn't believe in taking chances, Mr. Singh. Unfortunately, there have already been attempts on the child's life and other efforts to kidnap him. Uneasy lies the head of state. The sole heir in any eastern country has an uneasy tenure, Sergeant Mason. Can you provide us with such a bodyguard and nurse? I think so. In fact, I can do even better. One of my female operators is not only a qualified nurse, she's a karate expert. 
and therefore a bodyguard in our own right. Accompanied by one of my men, they will together constitute a formidable security screen. I could wish for no better. Excuse me. I'll call them in. Yes, sir. And Miss Fairweather, send in Gail Hamilton and Cannon, will you? Yes, sir. Would it be proper to consider payment now, sir? Well, as you wish. What sort of fee had you in mind? Fifty guineas a day, all expenses. Well, that's very generous. I did explain that the Maharaja is extremely wealthy, sir. And his son is the sole heir. Then thank you, Mr. Singh. Now, Cannon. Now, is Gail, will you? Uh, the broad's the broad, Chief. Ouch! How can so generous an exterior be so mean inside? Easy, Cannon. Oh, stop fooling around and come in. You sent for us, Mr. Mason? Yes, Gail. I'd like you to meet Mr. Ranji Singh. Gail Hamilton and Mr. Cameron. How do you do? How do you do, Mr. Singh? And Mr. Singh has a week's job for you. As nurse to a small Pakistani boy and also as his bodyguard. Um, which one's the nurse, Steve? Gail, of course. No, don't be facetious. Well, she's liable to use chain mail for the kids' diapers. I'd like to remind you that I'm a qualified nurse, Mr. Cannon. And if I'm to endure your company for a whole week, I'd advise you to keep a civil tongue in your head. Well, the voice of Florence McNightlight. Oh, take no notice of them, Mr. Singh. Childish banter is their, their one failing. Mr. Cannon and the Memsad fill me with the greatest confidence. Right. But then let's get down to business. A four-year-old Pakistani boy is to be taken to a house in Knightsbridge and kept out of sight for one week. Mr. Singh will brief you on all the details and tell you where to pick the lad up. Understood? Yes, Chief. Okay, but uh, what's so special about a small Pakistani boy? He is heir to a vast fortune. From the moment you collect him, there will be those who will take him from you by force. Cameron's granite face slipped into a smile. Anyone could tell he was pleased with the assignment. Gail remained impassive, standing there demurely, listening to the details supplied by Mr. Ranji Singh. The boy was to be collected at a barber shop off Oxford Circus and conveyed by car to the house in Sloan Street. The diminutive Pakistani official pressing home the point that publicity was to be avoided at all costs. Half an hour later, the office car was parked ready for exit on the ground floor of a nearby multiple garage, and Cannon Miguel walking towards the barber shop down Oxford Street. Just a minute, Cannon. Oh, what is it now? The new beetle boots in the window. Look, we are not on a shopping spree. I just wanted to look at the price. There's no need to be so testy all the time. Look, I repeat, we have no time for window gazing. Anyway, what would you want with beetle boots? Jack boots would be more in your line. Is that so? Well, let me tell oh, you. Oh, for Pete's sake, come on. Oh, all right. You know, you just don't know how to treat a lady. Wrong. I do know how to treat a lady. Mr. Cannon. Now, look, it... there's the barber shop. You wait outside. What for? It's an establishment for gentlemen, no dames. Rubbish. Who do you think usually takes small boys to have their hair cut? The butler? How would I know? Exactly. This is not America. We as civilized know how to treat young gentlemen. Touche. Come on in. Uh, here we are. Wally's. Gentleman's hairdresser. This is the joint. him in the corner. Oh, poor little chap. He looks quite lost. Poor? The kid's a millionaire. Good morning, sir. May I be of assistance? Uh, yes, buddy. The, uh, the kid in the corner, is he clipped? I beg your pardon, sir. Did you give him a haircut yet? I would have thought that was obvious, sir. <laughs> We've come to collect him. Collect him? Well, what's the matter with you? You got cloth ears? Weren't you expecting us? We had a telephone call asking us to keep the young Maharaja until a member of the Pakistani legation arrived with a message. I passed on the message to the three gentlemen waiting outside. 
What three gentlemen? They're in the corridor. I understand that they were something to do with the young gentleman. Is that right? Uh, are you from the legation, madame? Uh, yes, we are. We were sent by the legation's representative anyway. He had to come with us. Then you will not be requiring service here, sir. No service. Well, well. Thank heavens for that. Well, maybe they do allow women in this joint at that. <laughs> oh, come on. Hello, Ramat. Your name is Ramat, isn't it? Is that all you can do, nod your head? One thing, he understands English. That's lucky for you. I don't know. It's not really important. Gurum Bukhai, Ramat. Tikai Nensap. Well, sit on my head and call me a sofa. You're to come with us, Ramat. I'm going to look after you, and we're going to play lots of lovely games. You come for my father, Nensap? Yes, your father sent us. Then I come. I was tired of waiting. There are no toys to play with. In the Napi shop in Cornpore, they have many toys. Do you know the Napi shop in Cornpore, Sahib? Me? Uh, no, no, I'm not married, son. Uh, in any case, we call it a diaper. Napi is Urdu for barber. Okay. <laughs> so that's what they've been wrapping around my face after a shave. Oh, come on, you great big lug. <laughs> I think big up's very funny. <laughs> you know, I'm not sure I go for the kid's sense of humor. Don't let it bother you. He probably thinks you're the reincarnation of a Buddhist idol. Very funny. Come on, run it. We haven't got far to go. We have a car waiting nearby. I'm tired of this place. There are no toys like the Lappy and Kunpo. You just wait until we get home, Ramit, and you'll have everything you want. Through here. Uh, just a minute, Gail. I'll go through first. Why? The three men that Nappy Flapper spoke about. Oh. Come on, let's go. Hey, Joe. Here goes the key with the bloke and a woman. Now get it quick. But come and Louie and me. Here. Yeah. Just a minute. This is where you made your chip. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Grab the woman, bro. Wow. Oh, who's the guy they called Bert? He was the first one to embrace the arms of Morpheus. He's under the banners of sleeping like a baby. Hey, you did that to him? He looks like a prize fighter, and he must weigh all 250 pounds. I can look after myself, Mr. Cannon. That is the understatement of a lifetime. Shall we go to the house in Sloan Street now? What about these babies? Shouldn't we hand them over to the cops? Mr. Ranji Singh made a special point that we should avoid publicity at all costs. Yeah, that's right, he did. But these gorillas tried to snatch the kid. I know. And the snatch record is a capital offense. Not in England. We'd have to prove their intention. And that would mean publicity with a capital P. Okay, okay. You don't have to spell it out. And there's little Ramat here to think about. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. That the poor kid must be scared, too. Big Sab is very funny. <laughs> you know, like I said, I, uh, I don't go for the kid's sense of humor. I think the child has royal discernment. Royal discernment, is it? Well, I've got a funny feeling that we two are in for a king-sized packet of trouble. Cannon and Gail Hamilton lost no time in taking the young Pakistani charge out of the building and into the office car. Not until they were safely behind the locked doors of the house in Stone Street did they breathe easily again. Gail, to the grudging admiration of Cannon, set about preparing an Indian dish for Amut. And my top operator, with time on his hands, rang the office and reported to me. I was rather disturbed when I heard about the three-man attack on them. And only then did I realize that Ranji Singh had not left a forwarding address or a telephone number where I could contact him. I considered bringing the Maharaja suite at the Waldorf, but remembering Singh's plea for no publicity and knowing that young Ramat was safe, I decided to wait until the little civil servant called on me. As it was, Cannon had hardly put the phone down in the house in Stone Street when it rang. It was Ranji Singh on the other end of the line. Yeah? Is that the Saib, Cannon? Yeah, is that you, Mr. Singh? Uh, yes, Saib. It's all well. 
Do you have the boy with you? Sure, he's having an Indian summer. And no trouble, I hope. Well, some. Three guys jumped us. And from what I could make out, their names were uh, Joe, Louie, and Bert. We dealt with them and brought the kid here. Excellent, sir. Did anyone see you arrive? Not a soul, but uh, you sound out of breath. You all right? I've had an unpleasant experience. Our enemies are determined to lay their hands on the Ramat at all costs, it would seem. I was apprehended by two gentlemen posing as plainclothes policemen. I did not realize the deception until it was almost too late. Posing as cops? Say, these, uh, these girls will stop at nothing. Fortunately, I was able to escape in time, but I'm feeling a little shaken. To take care, Sir Cannon. The police have no reason to question you. If any bogus police visit you, I trust you will deal with them as you did with the three men at the barber shop. You leave everything to me, Mrs. Singh. I have complete confidence in you, Sir Cannon. Goodbye. Thanks, and so long, sir. Hurry up, Cannon. Supper's getting cold. Uh, coming. Oh, there you are at last. What were you doing on the phone to the chief? Giving him a blow-by-blow -blow description of the fight? What on earth's the matter with you? I, uh... I was thinking. The process is obviously too painful. Don't. You know, after I spoke to the chief, Singh rang. Did you tell him about the barbershop? I told him about the three monkeys who jumped us. That's what I mean. But I didn't tell him they jumped us in the barbershop. So? He mentioned the barbershop. Well, perhaps he got the details from the chief. Uh-uh. That's impossible. I only just told the chief. But... As I put the receiver back on the hook, it rang immediately. It was Singh. It would have been physically impossible for him to have spoken to Mason. Then Ranji Singh assumed the fight took place in the barber shop. Are you kidding? What would three beaten up jerks like that be doing in that cream puff parlor? Unless they had a good reason. Karen, your stuff is getting cold. They had a reason, and we know what it was. To snatch the kid? What else? They told me something, Mata Hari. Why didn't they go right inside that scented snipper's den and lift the kid from right under his Roman nose? Tell me that. They were waiting for him to come out. Why? He was all alone, and they knew about the phone call. They knew somebody was coming to contact the kid. Why wait? Don't make sense. And another thing. Who took the kid there in the first place? Yeah, I never thought of that. Chicken? Oh, don't be stupid. You know I'm not chicken. I mean, do you want some of this curried chicken? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I guess so. Listen to Mr. Grateful. I spent an hour making this for Ramit and you. You know, it looks to me like we might be in a spot. This is a fine time to go domesticate it. Ah, gee, I pity your wife if ever you get married. Those thugs weren't there to steal a child. Then they must have been his official bodyguard. Exactly. And if those men were on its bodyguard, then we kidnapped the kid ourselves. Oh. And you know something, baby? The public hangman don't play games when he works the Indian rope trick. To say that my operators were a little dismayed would be putting it mildly. Kidnapping is not a capital offense in England. It is, however, in America. And although Cannon was on the right side of the Atlantic. He found it hard to erase the spectre of the executioner from his mind. He relayed his story to me, but I had no means of appeasing his anxiety. I haven't the faintest idea of how I could contact Ranji Singh. I console myself with the thought that young Ramat was safe for the moment anyway. In fact, in the hands of Cannon and Gail Hamilton, he was probably safer than he'd ever been. It was Gail who hit upon the idea for the solution to the mystery. I've got it, Cannon. You've had it. Now, no, listen to me. We don't know where to find Ranji Singh, right? Yeah, that's all right. But if he's genuinely in the service of the Maharaja, then that gentleman will know where he can be found. But he asked for no publicity. If he's not genuine, that's just what he would ask for. Don't you see it? A little man called Ranji Singh, who lives in England and has never set eyes on the Maharaja of Buampur, hits upon an idea whereby he can kidnap the Maharaja's only son and hold him to ransom without doing a thing himself. Hey, you catch on fast. Oh, shut up. 
He comes along to Assignment Unlimited, posing as the Maharaja's personal aide. He knows that Ramat here will be at the barbershop at a certain time, and he also knows the kid will have a bodyguard hidden in the background somewhere. So he engages us with a cock and bull story about kidnappers. He hires this house and instructs us to pick up the child and bring him here. But he first of all instills in our minds that an attempt may be made to kidnap Ramat. So we think the genuine bodyguard who uh, naturally try and stop us lifting the kid are the kidnappers. Yeah. We beat him up and bring the kid here. Now, all Ranji Singh has to do is post off the ransom notes and collect the rupees. That's a very sweet setup. But all we have to do is to contact the Maharaja. He'll know by now that his son has been kidnapped. If what we think is true, the bodyguard will have told him. And uh, if I know anything about rich fathers, he'll keep quiet about it and pay up to get his infant back. He won't have to. Not if I deliver the ransom note. You? Why not? If he accepts the ransom note, then we'll know Singh is a phony. I'll simply tell the Maharaja the truth and hand Ramat back to him. And uh, how do you get next to the Maharaja? <laughs> By posing as a columnist on a woman's magazine. They always fall for that. Mm. I'll put on my best dress and enter the fourth estate. Maharaja, here I come. Good afternoon. My name's Gail Hamilton from Woman's World. I have an appointment with the Maharaja of Wampur. The Maharaja's in his suite, Miss 309. I'll wait. No, don't bother. I was told to meet the secretary in the foyer. I'll wait. I just wanted to check that he was here. The secretary went up a few moments ago, miss. You'll have to see him first anyway. Uh, let me tell him you're here. I'd rather wait if he asked, if you don't mind. It's a rather important story, and <laughs> you know how these orientals regard women. The way I'm regarding you, miss? You'd better be careful. You might end up with a date. Well, I'm three from six. I bet you say that to all the working girls. Thirteen. Thank you. Three or six. Three or nine. Hmm. This is luxury if you like. Honey. Hello. Anyone here? Miss Hamilton. Good afternoon. And you say, then, then you're the Maharaj's secretary. I beg your pardon, Miss Hamilton? Uh, uh, nothing. I, I just came to report that all is well. That was not necessary. But uh, since you're here, how is Ramat? Oh, only oh, fine. Well, I, I won't keep you, Mr. Singh. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Monsanto. Probably works for ten rupees a day. Kidnapping Ramat would mean a fortune to him. You would do the child's every movement. Talking to yourself, Miss Hamilton, that's bad. What? Oh, you. Sounds like the interview didn't go too well. I told you to let me ring him first. Did you see the Maharaja? Not a chance. I came to see a millionaire and all I got was the secretary. Ranji Singh? Well, he's not really the secretary, you know. He's not? A relation, I believe. Anyway, if you wanted a story about the millionaire, you should have interviewed him. He's got twice the money the Maharaja's got. They say that Ranji Singh is the third richest man in the world. Be okay. Lost a bit of blood. Oh, 
get on the floor. They're deader than the mummified fake here. They were after the kid. I, I didn't have the strength to get to the floor. Oh, and Robert? He's safe. He's in the attic. I, oh. I hid him there. You fought them with your bare hands? Why not? You, uh, you got a monopoly on karate? Oh, Cannon, I shouldn't have left you. I'll get some back. No, no. First, get on to the chief. Tell him to ring the cops. Ranji Singh. They gotta stop Ranji Singh. Cannon's suspicions were right the first time. Ranji Singh organized the kidnapping using my operators as his unsuspecting henchmen. But Singh wasn't after ransom money. He was next in line for succession as the Maharaja of Banpur. Once little Rummet was out of the way. He took no chances. Even his story of the plainclothes priest was a fake, invented as a precaution in case Cannon was tracked down by the forces of law and order. Fortunately, Cannon was on his guard and was able to deal with Ranji Singh's hired assassins when they arrived. The Maharaja's gratitude allowed Cannon to take a month's recuperative leave in the south of France. He insisted on Gail Hamilton going with him, since she was a qualified nurse. Well, that's what he said anyway. And so he wasn't present to read the report in the press about Ranji Singh's suicide. And that's how the file came to be marked, The Swan Song of Mr. Singh.